Watch anywhere on a smart phone or a smart TV. Channels include all local and premium HD channels, such as HBO, Cinemax, and Stars, and even On Demand. Only one time, $79 gets you everything. Now downloading, no equipment to buy or contracts to sign. Here's the link to the sign-up page, tinyurl.com slash nrl3btc. Please, we need partners for guaranteed $2,000 payouts a week. By joining our partnership program, please calling 888-407-9913 and tell them you heard about it here on Transmedia Worldwide. That number one more time, 888-407-9913. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were a term, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Daddy Hunt. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? It must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my trick shots there. Thanks very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to our number three of the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar radio program. We've got uh, three great guests going to be joining us today. We've got our regulars, Donald Bazella and Dan Perkins. And we've also got a great guest we're going to talk to here in just a few moments. But, of course, we're going to attempt to bring Dawn in on the old Skyper Rooney. So that is, uh, that is always, always so much fun because I hate hate Skype, but we are going to attempt this, and uh, we will see what happens here. Uh, I'm not bringing him in on video. What is that about? Why Why do people do video Skype? We, we, we used to do video Skype when we talked to porn stars on this show, but <laughs> there's Don. <laughs> How are you, sir? <laughs> Can you hear me, Don? Yes, can you okay. hear me? Yes, I've got you. Hold on, let me uh, let me bring in best-selling author, Mr. Dan Perkins, and of course we've got a great guest with us today. Our we have a special guest with us today. She um, she basically has written an incredible book. Uh, Islaine Smith is with us today. She has taming the tide and uh taming the tide and she's with us today here on the big broadcast it's a provocative approach to uh, uh basically an, an incredible process here and the hillary clinton machine seems to be going it kind of goes into like she has a fictitious reality show in this of who wants to be a president um i'm gonna let ms smith explain to us what the book is about and then we'll let dawn and dan jump in and uh chat with her about it so ms smith jump in there and give us a brief introduction on the book here well, thank you very much. My name is Eslyn Smith, and the name of the book is Taming the Pitta. The book is about politics, religion, and a reality TV show, and it gives Republicans a candidate capable of beating Hillary in 2016. Yes. Uh, the book... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. You're going to have to speak louder. I'm not hearing you well. 
Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to uh, work on that here, Don, so we can, we can make sure that you, you hear everything. Go, go, go ahead and keep, keep talking there, my friend. Okay, so the, the idea is that the Republicans know they're in trouble moving into 2016, and their bench isn't very deep. So they get creative and create a reality TV show to try to boost voter participation and find American citizens who want to participate in the political process. And so the reality TV show gives us an opportunity to find normal, everyday people to actually step up and create a dream team of elected officials that actually changes the course our country is on. Now, uh, now, now, Don, uh, I want to start with you on this, my friends, that you're joining us on Skype. Um, is this concept something that uh, could possibly work, just having a, a reality show and then uh, having the Republicans basically have a reality show and the winner gets, uh, get, gets, gets the shot to take on Hillary? Reminds me of what Mort Saul said. We, used to have, uh, we need to have a show where... Uh, yeah, young people are put in an arena and cars run over them. But it's a, it's a great, it's a, no, it's a, it's a great idea because uh, it it will test the uh, uh, Republican candidates. However, I think in the process they'll so kill each other as to uh, make it easier. And by the way, I still don't believe Miss Mrs. Clinton will be the. Uh, Democratic candidate looks more and more like that each year, each day, and uh, but the problem with a sh with something like that, it, a reality show like that, if if you watch uh, the various uh, ones, it brings out the worst of people, which is the deliberate uh, process that shows like that want to do, and what we want to do is bring out the positives about Republican candidates from Donald Trump down to uh, Governor uh, Walker. Uh, what we should be doing is emphasizing the positives, not the negatives. God knows we're gonna see enough of them uh, in the final campaign. But what you wanna do, which is a great idea, I'm not arguing that, uh, I think you will so hurt the Republican Party that uh, it'll make it easier for the Democratic nominee to win. Give, give me your thoughts. Comment. Give me your thoughts, Dan. Well, um, as as you know, being an author, uh, I'm, I'm I want to ask the question of our guest: When did you start to write this book, and the idea come to you? Well, I've been playing with the idea of writing a book for a long time. I had the title before I ever had the real concept, and I started playing mm -hmm. around writing this probably about a year ago maybe a year and a half ago, but last year I just hit two weeks where I just bled 200 pages, like it was my job. And mm -hmm. when, I, when I came out of the trance, you know, uh, Michael Brown had been shot, Robin Williams had killed himself. It was like total craziness as I was writing this book. And then when I finished it, I sent it off to a publisher, and they made me an author within 48 hours, and I'm an unknown author. I didn't really know what a good offer was, and I decided mm -hmm. not to take it, and I decided to self-publish. So I published this book in January. Okay. The reason this, why I'm asking the question... This book has question. been with me for... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you finish. No, I, mean, this, I mean, this book has really um, you know, been a labor of love for probably about 18 months now. Okay. 
the reason why I was asking the timing is that um, sometimes authors get real lucky, uh, especially when they're writing fiction, and uh, that they uh, they get an inspiration a little bit ahead of the curve, and so when they write it and it's published, and it's the reality they're dealing with today, which is my book, um, people wonder, how, is, how did you know? But, you know, I, I think that uh, what is today? Tuesday. On Thursday night, we're going to have the first episode in the reality show because we're going to have, in the afternoon, we're going to have somewhere around six or seven Democratic or Republican candidates for president having a minor debate. And then we're going to have the top ten in the evening. So we've got a daytime soap opera and an evening primetime show. Um and I think everybody, I, I think that there is a, a, um, a buzz, if that's the right word to use anymore, a significant buzz in America of actually wondering not what Jeb Bush is going to say or what Scott Walker is going to do or Ted Cruz or, or Chris Christie. Everybody's wondering what Trump is going to do. And Trump is the yeah. wild card in, in this um, reality. Uh, and I think they're going to get a tremendous audience uh, that uh, the, the Democrats are going to find themselves, how did we miss this one? Because the, what do they got? They got Hillary, they got Bernie Sanders, they got the guy from Baltimore, and maybe Uncle Joe's going to run uh, if he makes up his mind. Um, and uh, they've got their primary candidate who last night uh, a federal judge appointed by her husband has sent out an order that she and her two top aides must answer questions under perjury prosecution about the uh, Benghazi tapes and her email server. So she's, she just, it's like a, you know, we, Don's been telling us forever that Hillary's not going to run. And that may be true, but, um, there's a soap opera, a constant soap opera around Hillary and uh, a different kind of soap opera or reality show around the Republicans who, uh, who have an incredibly diverse cast of characters, much more so than you have uh, on the Democratic side. So they're going to be probably a hell of a lot more entertaining Thursday night than anything the Democrats would put up. Well, let's certainly hope that they are more entertaining. I am looking forward to hearing everything that Trump will say. He has such an excellent skill of dividing us instead of uniting us. He incites something inside of us that, quite frankly, scares me. We're, we're a tinderbox waiting to blow. We're on the verge of a political revolution. Bernie's doing a great job with his grassroots and, motivi and motivating a base. He wants a political revolution, but he is completely ignoring an amazing base that is hungry for true leadership. They're starved for somebody to come forward with a positive voice out of the shadows and give them all something to be proud of. And right now what we're seeing is a lot of people going out of their way to express hatred and divisiveness amongst us. And what we need, if we're really going to see true a true change take place after with this 2016 election it is by motivating the republican base and helping them to transition from this concept that has been so so prevalent in the republican party of tolerance 
tolerance only gets you so far. At some point in time, your patience runs out. And it is time to transition from tolerance to acceptance and find positive ways for it to all work together. People are tired of seeing our elected officials work against the success of America. Never before have we seen a time where people are actually doing whatever is in their power to watch us fail. And we're tired of it. And Republicans are smarter, savvier, kinder, and more compassionate than they're being portrayed by their elected leadership. And it's time, and this group is ready for a change. If we're You're absolutely box, right. What is, what is the tinderbox? What is the tinderbox? tinderbox? This is a, what are we, we have a lot of anger and frustration, right? I mean, even Stephen Hawking said if we don't find a way to check our anger and our frustration, we're going, it's going to be the end of ourselves. And we have a lot of anger that is falsely focused in different areas. We're angry at each other for race. We're angry for gender or for gender orientation or for whatever that we have perceived to divide us, when in reality... 99% of us, the bulk of us, are all in this together, and we're looking to find a way to fix this without it coming to revolution. No, nobody wants to see revolution unless it is a peaceful revolution. We, we would like a, a peaceful revolution. Other countries have proven that they can do it. Iceland has proven mm -hmm. it. Americans are capable of this. But we, we have some anger management issues that we need to have a good leader help us transition through. We talk about change management in companies all the time. It's the same thing. We're not going to get anywhere by throwing slurs at each other or name calling or I'm better than you are. We have to find a way to improve our sportsmanship, the way we treat each other, and come together as a country united under one flag where we pledge allegiance to one flag only. And Republicans are the best way to actually bring us together. Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree. You, you first, uh, you know, Dan. Um, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, but I, but I do believe. I think you're you're using the right word in terms of anger. I think that the reason why Trump is getting what he's getting is that issues that he are he's talking about are issues that resonate with a lot of people in this country who are angry about Americans being killed uh, by immigrants, illegal immigrants coming across the border. A lot of Americans are angry that we, we can't seem to control our border there and, and, they don't, and the president doesn't want to apparently do anything about it. A lot of, there's a huge protest this afternoon in Washington uh, over the fact that the Senate defeated the funding of uh, the Planned Parenthood uh, $500 million budget. And O'Reilly said last night, if we cannot get a majority of senators to agree that this is not what the American people want, our country's in trouble. And I think our country is in trouble. And I think that we are going to head towards a new revolution. And it's going to be an Article 5 convention. Because... We are running out of patience with what's going on in Washington, and we have to replace it. Well, uh, we, you're absolutely correct, and that's a theme that I tap into with my book. You know, Trump made some statements that got people angry because the people are angry about things, but he he tore apart an entire nationality. When the truth is, we have a wolf problem. 
we have wolves that are completely out of control and not enough sheepdogs to be able to identify them and remove them from the herd. And as long as the wolves continue to be in control, the sheep will stampede. And nobody wants a stampede. Don, you you were you you were going to make a point. Jump in there, my friend. Well, um, I would like to characterize. There's a middle class revolution going on. The middle class is by nature uh, not one that moves uh, fast or move, moves in concert. But clearly, if you look at the election of '14 and and see where the voting patterns came through. Uh, you're absolutely right. Trump has hit a core vein. But, you know, you use the words anger. Uh, I'd use the word frustration. I think that's a different word. Um, uh, and what, the, but what I think the majority of people want is a resolution through the existing uh, uh, avenues we have open to us now. Uh, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about an Article 5 convention. It's not needed. The ballot box is there, and I think the ballot box is going to speak in 2016 if we get, the, if the Republican Party gets the right message across and, and does its homework. And if you look at all of, of, of what is being said and done, and, and frankly, I think uh, Donald Trump has done... Uh, all the other candidates a great service. He's moved as far right as you can get. Now everybody else can go to the center. And in doing so, they make themselves more electable. And by the way, I also think that Donald Trump is elected, uh, electable. Well, I, 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 I really I, believe I, that whoever can, whatever Republican wins the nomination and can articulate the messages you, you both of you have just said, However, in a less strident uh, format, we'll win this election going away. There is so much tremendous pent-up, uh, you use the word anger, I think frustration. Uh, they feel our institutions in Washington have betrayed us. Uh, when the Secretary of State uh, doesn't even trust uh, our own uh, government uh, uh, internet facilities and sets it up, you know that there's dysfunction in Washington. And that to me is is the greatest uh, reason why these people will come out. Much more than the black vote will, much more than the Hispanic vote will, I think the middle class will come up out. And that's what they did uh, in 14. If you look at the numbers, as the numbers keep coming out, it's a revolution that should make the Democrats and the media really worried. But but Don, I think you're missing the missing the point. Excuse me for interrupting you. Are you yeah, missing you the point that the 2012 and 2014 elections were clearly messages to the establishment in Washington D.C. and they didn't hear it. They didn't hear it. That they changed the leadership of the House and the Senate in 2000. And 14 to Republicans, and they didn't do what they said they were going to do. I think that the middle class that you're talking about, along with other classes within the country, are are are, are angry that they 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 put their hope and trust in these guys and women to do something, and when they got to Washington, twice, 
12 and 14, they didn't do anything. They didn't do what they were saying to do. And I think it is anger. I, I, there's some frustration. But I think that, that a lot of people are saying, what's the point? These people aren't going to do what they're... They're telling us one thing to get elected, and then once they're elected, they don't do what they're going to do. And then they expect to get elected in two years or four years or eight years or whatever. So That's why, that's my that's why I think it's going to be a governor that's going to be the nominee, and it's going to come in. And uh, my personal favorite is Walker, but, but I think it's going to be a governor, and I don't think it's going to be Christie that's going to come in and bring with him or her... Um, well, it's a him for governor. Uh, and by the way, I think uh, Chris uh, Farini will be the uh, vice presidential candidate. Uh, I believe they will come in and, and do some of the sweeping things that, that we all agree need to be done. Let me ask, let me ask our guest. Do you, do you have hope? Or do I have cynical? hope that there's going to be a, a new voice that's going to come through in all of this and give Republicans somebody to follow? Because I, I don't have any faith in Walker. And I'm thankful that everybody else sees Christie for what he is. Um, i, I, I got to tell you, Trump doesn't excite me either. I, I'm not really impressed with what I'm seeing. Quite frankly, I'm tired of all the nonsense that they've been doing for the last couple of years. We got them their seats. They didn't do anything, and all they're doing is running their mouth and dividing people. And quite frankly, it is time for them to step up to the plate and start earning their paycheck or go find better jobs. I think everybody is ready for Republicans to step up and, and meet their potential, because the potential that the base is unbelievable. They're primed for the picking, for somebody new to come in and motivate them. But Bernie could have completely changed the entire face of this election by running as a Republican, because Republicans are ready for somebody to, to say something other than what they're hearing right now. We're, we're on repeat in the Republican Party, and it's time to change the message. Is there anybody out there, if I might be so bold to ask you, is there anybody out there that excites you? Not, not, they, they may not be on the podium either in the afternoon you or other, evening. You, you mean other than me and like? my book? <laughs> yeah, what, what I would like, what I would like is for my book to become a viral hit sensation and take my proceeds and pay my million-dollar entrance fee into the RNC debates and participate myself. But at this point in time, with the RNC debates coming on Thursday, I think what I need is a viral hit sensation and an angel donor. Um, I'm concerned because I want to see something new, and I'm not getting anything from anybody. I thought maybe I was going to see something exciting out of Carly Fiorina, but I'm from Idaho, and Hewlett Packard's a big deal to me, and I'm still angry about NAFTA, so I really can't put my support behind her either. And I'm hopeful that these debates, these weekly reality shows we're all about to start rolling into will present me with something new out of each one of these candidates that I haven't already seen. But if you, listen to, but if you listen to these candidates, a lot of them are, the problems uh, in my view is that the media is not allowing these candidates to put together. But if you listen closely, to the Walkers, to the, uh, 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 the governor of Louisiana, to, uh, to all of these other candidates, they're all talking what you're saying. They are saying it. 
Their message might not be getting out to you or to other people, but if you listen to their speeches, if you listen to their uh, uh, to their position paper or read their position papers, it is a breath of fresh air. I'm not including Governor Bush in this, but I'm including some of them, like Walker, like others, that have come into the field. They're all saying the things that you're saying. It's just that the message is not getting through because the media ignores it. You have the governor of Louisiana talking in Lafayette about about the the shooting. And all the reporters want to talk about is gun control. And uh, if you and if you looked at that that particular press conference, he really put them in his place. But if you listen to his ideas, uh, they're very fresh and, and illuminating. The governor of Ohio, when he came out in, in his, in his uh, 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 speech, they're all saying the things you and Dan have been saying. Uh, I know uh, 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 Dad has been saying for a long time. They are all talking about a revolution. They're not calling it a revolution, but they are calling it that. And the problem seems to be, and I hope Thursday night starts to eliminate this, Donald Trump isn't the only one that's saying those things. He's just saying it in provocative ways. And it's interesting that Governor Walker, uh, in his quiet way, is now 17% uh, support. Um, I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> you, didn't need to, you didn't need to shut up, Don. <laughs> but uh, go 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 ahead and jump in there. Who who wants to take this one? Well, I I, I understand what you what our guest is saying. Um, I just we have a process. It may be a flawed process. But I, I, I think that, that we, I don't want to, I don't want to come across as being too negative. But, but I think that you know, the, the fool me once, blame it on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Um, we're coming up to the third time. We're coming up for the third time. The Democrat, the Republican said, well, if we could just get control of the House, and they got that in 2012. We can just get control of the Senate. We got that in 2014. And if we can just get the White House, well, okay. We, if if the if the the great electorate from the middle class gave them the House, gave them the Senate, and gives them the presidency, I'm not sure that anything changes. Right. It, what are they going to do? What are they going to do no. when they get it? You know, they're going to repeal Obamacare because they've tried 60 times and it hasn't worked. What are they going to replace it with? Because there's a problem that needs to be solved, right? What are they going to do if they get the presidency? They're going to bomb Iran? I'm a military spouse and a military brat. I'm not weak, but I am war-weary. What are they going to do if they get the presidency? Slowly they but surely dismantle the, the, with the House and the, the Senate. I agree. Will, I mean, I, I think they, they will slowly I, I, and surely dismantle the Obama legacy. But it takes time and it takes effort. Uh, and I, I said earlier, it takes time to learn how to govern. And if you look at the Senate today and the way Mitch McConnell, I know, uh, uh, Dan, you disagree with me. But they are 
working to get all of these uh, uh, things that have to be done done and I, and I, I believe uh, come September when the when the Senate and the House comes back and we're in the threat myth uh, the midst of this presidential campaign, which started way too early, uh, I think you're going to start to see things happening. And you're going to see, uh, uh, I love Clint, uh, uh, Mrs. Clinton's comment, well, if the the, uh, uh, the pipeline is not decided by then, then I'll give you my, uh, uh, my opinion. I mean, things are going to happen that are going to force issues. And uh, enforcing the issues it's going to make it clearer and clearer to the American people where the Republican Party stands and what they want to do, what they want to do, and what uh, the Democrats want to do. And I, I strongly believe, uh, and I might be Pollyanna, but I, I, I believe strongly that you will see, especially if they win the White House in, in 16, you're, you're going to see major changes because God knows. Dan's been saying it for a long time, and you're saying it in, in your, your quiet, uh, quiet way, Ms. Smith, but, but uh, you're going to see major changes. But the change in America does not come. It took the Obama administration eight years to finally put in all of the things it wanted to do, and you want the, the uh, uh, legislature to change it in one fell swoop. It can't be done that way. It's not way the way our institutions work. So if, if they get control of the White House, they're going to spend how much time dismantling Obama's legacy? Why is that even an, a, a mission for anybody? He was a president. He's going to have a legacy. What are Republicans going to do other than spend the next eight years dismantling this legacy that they have spent six years trying to stop from happening? Well, for, for one thing, they have to address Social Security. They have to address health care. They have to address the infrastructure. They have to address Iran. They, they, they have to... The, the next president is going to have so many d different issues facing him or her uh, in 2016 that it's going to take eight years to, to, to deal with them. We, we've had a president who has... What uh, is the hell in a handbasket? Uh, there was an interesting article in today's New York Post by John Cradell pointing out that the uh, 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 the, the government, government department of commerce has finally admitted that we have not had real growth in our economy in the last five years. We've got to deal with the economy. We've got to deal with uh, an education system that doesn't turn out uh, individuals who can uh, participate in a, uh, in the workforce. We've got all of these issues facing us, and you expect and you're expecting us to change those things immediately. It can't be done. And yes, there's going to be a revolution. It's going to be another Reagan type of revolution because we've got so many issues that we spend every Tuesday of five to six every uh, Tuesday talking about and uh, it, it requires time and the thing that um, many people don't understand is that these things take time to, uh, to change and you've got to change a Senate 
that did absolutely nothing for eight years uh, under Reid, Senator Reid, and now you expect them in, in less than eight months to change eight years. It can't be done. It takes time. And you're not giving uh, the legislature time. Uh, and admittedly, Washington is a never-never land compared to the rest of the country. But even Washington is waking up to that. I, uh, I attended a, a, a session uh, Friday night in which I heard ideas expressed by insiders that would never have been expressed three years ago or even one year ago. They understand that the problems are there, and we've got to fix them. And we, we have to fix them, not with anger, but with uh, uh, controlled, deep thought which, uh, to sell the American people. Everybody's being polite. I'm, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, I I was waiting for somebody to jump in there. I, I, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> um, well, begin any place. I'm, I'm open to, you know, to be yes. taught something new, and I learned something new today. You know, the thing about revolution is that we, we, we don't have time for another eight years. That's the thing about revolution, and it, it's not going to be... a it's not going to be pretty. You know, people are angry and frustrated, and they're well-armed. And it's a very dangerous time. You know, astrologically speaking, our stars are very similar now to how they were in 1776. And we're not anywhere near as tough as our forefathers were. But people are, are getting angry. We don't have time for another eight years. Somebody needs to come in and do something drastically. They need to do something. And they need to light a fire under this country and get them all united together. Or we're going to see big problems. We're going to see big revolution. And not the, the peaceful stuff that we're hoping for. Um, Could I? We're, there's a lot of us trying to be a, a voice of reason right now. And we, we, can't, we can't do that if we're, you know, saying it's going to take us eight years to enact any change. When I was a young man, a very wise man told me the story of the French dog. He, a man is condemned to death. And he says, Sire, if you will spare my life, I will teach your dog to speak French. And the king says, okay, you have a year. And the man's friend said, what did you do that for? And the, man, and the condemned man said, in a year, the king may die, I may die, the dog may die, or the dog may learn to speak French. Time is the one thing that allows uh, things to happen. And, and uh, I understand your frustration and, and your feelings. Uh, and, I and I've been talking to an awful lot of Americans. On, on uh, uh, Saturday night, I talked with, with a man who made you look as if you were a mouse compared to how he felt about it, and much the same things you said. But the only way I know to get things done in America is through time, patience, and effort. And, and uh, we need that time to do it. Uh, we need the uh, middle-class America to go to the polls and, and make their voices known in the 
the way we've done it for over 200 years, which is at the ballot box. And I believe they will if the Republican Party gets the right champion to get out there. The great thing about Ronald Reagan was the fact that he touched people by the way he spoke and what he brought to it. He brought a grandeur back to America. And what we need is someone who will not only bring a grandeur back to America, but outline the ways it can be done. And that's, uh, and, and that's what we have to get out of this group of very fine. And, and the other thing, uh, we have a, the Republican Party has a great uh, a bench of people who are, who are there uh, talking about ideas that the bill's ideas are not getting through to the, the American public is the fault of the media. And, uh, and if we don't somehow break through that, and I think we will start on Thursday when you're going to see some, I hope, some very, very good ideas bantied about, uh, and, and people are going to hear it in the only way they can, unfiltered by the press, but right there hearing the people. I think you're right. I think Thursday is going to be a great day. I think we're going to get an opportunity to get to hear a little bit more from these candidates. I'm looking forward to, you know, the couple hours that we're going to get a little bit of one-on-one -on -one with each of them. I, I do know that there is a, a deep bench. There's a lot of people. They're just being lost out by all the people who are causing trouble. And quite frankly, we need those quiet people to step forward and provide some additional leadership for um, the Republican Party. We need some different voices because the people that are there have dropped so quickly in the polls against Donald Trump because people don't trust them anymore with everything that has happened in the last few months, the last couple of years. You know, we talked about I've, people going to the polls and speaking their voice at the 2014 election. 67% of people didn't even show up to the polls. Well, I think that what, that what will be What are we going key. to do to motivate people to participate? Donald Trump filled a void. He saw an opening as he does in everything he everything he does. He saw an opening and he took it. But if you look at the numbers, the, uh, if you look at the numbers, take a, take out uh, Trump, because what he's done is uh, articulate what a lot of people have been thinking. And he's done it in, in, in such a way, he's become a great communicator. But if you look at the numbers of the other people, of the walkers of the world, they haven't suffered. It just means that more people are expressing a view for what Trump is saying, not necessarily the, the man he is. And, and uh, he took a chance and is going to ride it. But, uh, but in the end, it's going to be somebody who can put experience and a quiet, and a quiet I, I use the word quiet, approach to this in all, that will lead the Republican Party to victory in uh, 2016. And with the exception of Bush, I, I believe any of the candidates, including Donald Trump, could beat Hillary Clinton if she is the uh, nominee, and if it more likely is uh, Joe Biden, Uncle Joe, I love Dan, I love your thing about it. Uh, it'll be a wrap.
<laughs> we've got uh, we've got Boy, do I silence people apparently you love silencing people Don we've got Donald Bazella with us today from SB Digest we've also got Elaine Smith with us today she's a best-selling author and uh, we also have from the hill.com mr. Dan Perkins and uh, we've got one more segment here with these guys we want to send out a big shout out to our friends at amfm247.com allowing us to go commercial free today on our uh, panel discussion here also this episode will be available on iHeartRadio later on this week as well download the iHeartRadio app at iHeart.com and enjoy uh, our program as well as many other programs um, let, let's do this in our final segment Dan uh, what, what, what do you have here for, for Don and, and our guest Dan still with us, or did Dan drop off too? I think Dan dropped off. <laughs> okay. I well, can't believe that. I can't but believe I, it either. <laughs> I am absolutely <laughs> amazed. Well, no, no wonder I got so much time this this, this hour. Well, uh, well, 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 Miss Smith. Could I? Could I yeah, uh, jump, jump in there, Don. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead, my friend. Go. Um, because. Uh, Dan wanted to bring up about abortion. He wrote a very good article about uh, uh, abortions in America, yes. and I sent and I sent him uh, a follow-up that uh, a statistic just came across my desk that 80 percent of all uh, abortions done by Planned Parenthood, uh, who by the way are getting a licking in the press. Um, uh, uh, were a black and Hispanic children, uh, women, which to me is a fan, uh, fantastic statistic, which I was dying to ask Dan about, because his whole uh, whole piece was about the fact that uh, 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 I think it put the figure was a million eight abortions in the period uh, 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 a, four, a four year period. Uh, were pr- predominantly uh, of black and Hispanic. And that is really um, uh, a fantastic uh, uh, topic. But l- let me, uh, since you, Elaine, you're, if I may call you Elaine. Uh, Aslan. Aslan. Ev- Evelyn, I'm sorry. Yes, um, Aslan. Ev- Evelyn, if I may. <laughs> As a, a woman, I, I don't know where you sit on the issue. But how do you well, feel about that? You know, one of the things that I focus on in my book is that, you know, the reality behind abortion is you're not ever going to stop it. Women have been terminating unwanted pregnancies for thousands of years. They are smart. They are creative. They are resourceful. As long as they have unwanted pregnancies, they are going to continue to have them. And I would rather spend my time focusing on how you stop the unwanted pregnancies. Why is it that the first thing we go to when we defend abortion is that we need abortion for rape? Let's find a way to stop rape. We talk about incest. Let's end childhood sexual abuse. It is completely within our power to stop this within our lifetime. There is no reason why this epidemic should have gone on as long as it has. We have women, we have, we have young women and young men today who are choosing not to have children because they won't ever be able to support them or raise them. It is time to correct that as well. I would rather look at the things that are causing people to want to have an abortion and solve those problems and we will naturally see abortion stop. 
I, I, I'm pro-choice, but I'm more excited when people choose the baby because babies are amazing. They're wonderful, but they're also a lot of work. They yeah, require yeah. health care and a home and food and education. And if we're making it impossible for people to be able to provide those things, are we surprised that people are looking for ways to prevent that responsibility? We need to, that we have bigger problems and we're, everybody's focusing on abortion when we really have bigger problems we need to solve. If we attack those bigger problems, we will see this problem disappear. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I just heard to this, this afternoon about a case of a, a very promising ice skating star at 16 that had twins. And, and uh, uh, her, her parents are now taking care of her, her twins while she does something else. My question is, Here's a, here's a young person who, from a very fine family, very educated, in a top, top school, and she ends up uh, pregnant in this day and age. It just boggles the mind how, how people... Right. Uh, what, kind of, what, kind of, um, what kind of sex education did she receive at school? What was the conversations that were taking place at home? I have a 19-year-old daughter who's about to become a sophomore in college. So my best friend got pregnant when I was a freshman in high school. And I got to tell you, I'm really focused on teaching my children about sex education because I don't want that to happen to anybody. You know, if we solve the bigger problems, we will see some of these issues go away, but we can't turn our back on them and act like they're not happening. They're teenagers. They're curious. And they have free time on their hands. They're going to check things out. We have to educate them, and we have to make it an open conversation where we're in their face about it because then they will talk to us more. That's the way it works with teenagers. And they're embarrassed. They don't want to talk to their parents about this kind of intimate stuff. It's creepy. But somebody has to have these conversations with them. And we don't want teachers at school to do it. That means somebody's parents are going to have to step up. And Planned Parenthood does like 3% of their services are for abortion. And quite frankly, now that we have Obamacare and almost everybody's going to be covered by health insurance, do we really need to have this free service available to people? Can't we start billing Obamacare and open up Planned Parenthood as a reproductive services center where we focus on men and women and make sure we're properly educating our citizens in regards to reproductive health? They're, these kids have questions. And well, we well, were living in don't Hawaii, forget, that was the original life. purpose of Planned Parenthood, to educate women on health, uh, on birth issues, on that. That was the original the, purpose. It was not to, to run abortion bills. Not just be, well, it was also to provide birth control. It was, it was to provide a lot of things, but it needs to not just be educating women. It needs to be educating women and men because men have reproductive issues too. These are things that shouldn't be just for women. If we're going to talk about equality, we need to be making sure that we're properly educating our young men in regards to all these things as well. We've put a lot of effort into educating women over the last 20 or 30 years, and we're seeing the results. More women are going into college. Women get better grades. They're, they're coming up, and they're knocking it out of the park every chance they get. And we're not putting as much effort into our boys, and that's not right. 
we're putting a different emphasis on the education that we're giving our girls. And we're making a critical mistake because we're not giving boys the attention and the education that they deserve as well. It, it, it's it's a big mistake that we need to fix because it's already out of control. We already have men who are angry over equality. When if we start giving men the same equal education and treatment that we're giving women, we'll see some of that disappear. I couldn't agree with you more. What a wonderful uh, way of saying it. Yes, I, I, I agree with... Uh I, I agree with you, Heslin, because of the fact that uh, I'm for uh, equality, and uh, I, I, I think that uh, when it comes to equality, we need to go all the way down the middle. So, yes, that, that, that is, that is a, a perfect point there, my friend. Well, could I point out to you? Yes, ju jump in there, Don. Go, Don. No, I was just going to say, someone, a woman once told me many years ago, if men had to, to give birth, the human race would die die out. Thank God for women. <laughs> I mean, it's it's probably true. It's not an easy job, you know. I mean, they, you know, we talk about women equality. Men have it rough. Women have it rough too. We have to carry around and cook these these little buns in our oven for, you know, eight or nine months, is however long they want to stay there. They tend to show up whenever they want. You know, and then there's all the responsibility that takes place afterwards. We have to make sure that we're educating our children, both boys and girls, equally, because they deserve different things, and every child responds differently to different methods, and it's important that we figure out what works for each of them, but we need to be feeding them all the same information. You know, sex education is extremely important. We lived in Hawaii when my daughter went through it, and there, they explain a lot more stuff in Hawaii than they did here on the mainland. I was married to a sailor, and I learned a lot of stuff there. But they took the approach that these kids are going to do these things, and we need to teach them how to do it so they're not hurting each other. And they saw abuse reduced. And they, they saw child pregnancies reduced. They took a different stance, and there's no reason why we can't do that throughout the entire United States. All of our kids deserve proper and information so that they can make a, a good healthy decision I'll tell you this is a fascinating fascinating conversation we've got uh, Eslin Smith with us today here on our broadcast we've also got SB Digest Donald Mazzella and they uh, both join us today here for a great great political discussion uh, we've, we've talked debates we've talked a little bit about the Planned Parenthood situation we've talked about a, a lot of the different uh, situations in, including Donald Trump some of the different things going on uh, Don we've probably got about five minutes left to go here uh, let, let, let's cover one more topic here and then we'll let everybody get their plugs in and let everybody get out of here so uh, what, what, what what's one last thing you want to cover with uh, with, with uh, our guest today Eslin Smith well I'll tell you the one that I wanted to talk about was the fact that the uh, National Geographic is is uh, uh, planning a six-part series debunking Thanksgiving uh, for the fall. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, yes, it, it was announced. They're, they're pointing, uh, uh, and if you read the uh, uh, synopsis of it, it, pointing out how the Indians were so uh, 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 decimated by disease, European brought diseases that they had to help the uh, 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 the pilgrims. I, I, and again, it's another example of how the uh, people are uh, tearing down our, our, our national uh, heritage. 
it's it's you know it started they they tried with George Washington. I, I'm just getting a little tired of uh, of people trying to uh, destroy uh, uh, the basic fabric. The next thing we know, we'll hear that Abe Lincoln didn't uh, wasn't in a log cabin, and that uh, uh, I, I'm just getting appalled by how they're doing that. I mean, could they just pick a storyline and stick with it? I, what what exactly is it that they have been educating us on for? I mean, for my entire life, if we could pick a storyline and stick with it, you know, what exactly is Thanksgiving? But it's a, an education issue in our country. We have propaganda. Different states learn different things. We have to figure out what story we're going to tell, and we need to start telling it correctly. But Thanksgiving, I'm part Native American, and if somebody tries to take my turkey away, it's going to get dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just that everything everything seems to be, well, they, they did this, that was good, but they did this and this is bad. You know, and they're tearing down our founding fathers who developed the greatest constitution the world has ever seen and, and done so much more. I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm just appalled by it. I love this country. I love it the way it uh, was and it is and look forward to what it's going to be. And my, my last thought is, I keep telling people to read Tacitus, the uh, Tacitus' annuals, to see how it so parallels what's happening today. It, it can frighten the world out of you. Okay. Um, that's, that, I'll definitely look into that. Um, but I, I do agree, I, I love my country. It's probably unhealthy how much I love my country and how much I want it to be better for my kids and my grandkids and how important it is for me to, that we we change the conversations the way they're going and we're a little bit more reasonable about the, about the storylines that we've been living and we've been how we change them we need to be more considerate of people we have a lot of problems and we need to fix them but you know, I, I want to see a time where we as a nation come back together as one and we're strong and we're kind to each other and we learn to embrace each other's differences because there's a lot of different people in America that are Americans and we need to learn to stop tolerating people and start embracing them. That's part of the change that we need to take place. Definitely. Well, uh, but before, before we let everybody go, um, Dawn, how, how do we get a hold of you online, my friend? Well, two ways, smallbusinessdigestmag.com and donmazella.com. My book's up there. Uh, you can read chapters from it, and uh, you can read about small business. Um, I, I love people's uh, feedback on it. Anyway, uh, uh, that's where you can reach me, and uh, uh, I want to know about Evelyn's book because I'm going to read it. Yes, yes. We're, 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 we're going to get a hold of you, my friend. Thank you. Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, and Facebook is Taming the Tida, which is T-I-D-A, the Hawaiian word for aggressive female personality. I'm on <laughs> Twitter as well at Taming the Tida. Um, I'm a, my books are available on Amazon, Kindle, Barnes & Noble, Books and Million, anywhere where you can purchase your books online, my book is available. Well, good stuff. Well, I appreciate everybody. And, uh, Don, we will talk to you tomorrow in hour number three along with IQ Al Rizzoli. And, uh, Eslin, I appreciate it. Thanks for being with us today, my friend. Thank you, gentlemen.
Definitely. Thank you. Dawn, we'll talk to you tomorrow, my friend. And, uh, Evelyn, have, have yourself a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks for participating today. Evelyn Smith with us today here in our program. Get a hold of us coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, and Radio Loyalty. We thank you for joining us today. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on the world-famous Cheeky Cheekwire Radio Program.